Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 21 of the Goal Line Podcast. Today's special guest is Ryan Jones. So Ryan and I actually started, I guess, if you will, first met playing against each other in college and then re-met after he had graduated in Israel playing for Maccabi USA. I was playing futsal. He was playing soccer. Um, That's where we kind of just became friends and grew from there. But Ryan has been a college coach most recently at Murray State um, on the Division One level in the Ohio Valley Conference. So um, he's been coaching all around. He now lives in Seattle. And Ryan, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's just been uh, been a whirlwind with everything happening right now. So glad, uh, glad I'm able to do this and, and talk with you. For sure, for sure. So, uh, Ryan, where I want to begin is your playing career at Marywood University. So, uh, two-time conference player of the year, and, you know, you just had an amazing career. What I want to ask is, what was it about Marywood and maybe the coaching staff that made you choose to go to Marywood? Because from your playing career, it seems like you could have had other options elsewhere at higher levels. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think it was mainly, I mean, I, I did like anyone did kind of looking at college and made that top 25 list of all the schools and did a lot of different ID camps and went from like Bucknell camp to UCSB, like all these kind of big camps, of course. Um, and then you kind of narrow it down and start to realize um, maybe what you want um, and you start visiting places and things like that. Um, but I always knew I wanted to go somewhere that I would play immediately and make an impact. Um, especially I know in the, the men's game, it's more so than the women's game, but, um, for bigger schools, especially it's not unheard of for freshmen, sophomore, and sometimes even juniors to sit because they need to learn. They need, they got people in front of them. They got captains, um, older people, things like that. So I just knew I wanted to go somewhere and make an impact right away. Um, and then kind of fell upon Marywood. I had um, somebody that played high school at a local, a local kind of rival high school to mine. Um, and he was kind of a recruiter for Marywood. He played there. He wasn't a coach or anything, but he kind of helped me guide me to the area and showed me what it was about and things like that. Um, it was about two hours, two and a half hours away from where my parents' house was. So it was close enough, but far enough. Um, I know that's always a big thing when people are looking at schools. Um, and then just kind of once I got there, I, I went on a few visits, but once I got there, it was just kind of kind of a good size and, and awesome people, awesome guys on the team. Um, and that's what I kind of fell in love with, really. For sure. So you were also a captain there. And what I want to ask is, what did you feel you did well as a captain for the, the two years that you were named? Um, I mean – Everyone will definitely have their own um, their own thing, but I think for me it was always just trying to lead by example. Um, I mean, any chance I got to do something to better myself or the team or teammates, I was always trying to do it. Whether it was going out um, and working on free kicks or set pieces or um, shooting on goalies or um, just kind of extra work in the gym or runs, um, just kind of all of that stuff. Uh, I definitely saw. Being, being when I first got there and like learning from or getting closer to kind of the captains, the older cohort of players um, and trying to learn from them as much as I could, you definitely saw um, transitions and shifts and things like that in teams and teammates, players. Um, so 
just trying to lead by example, put everything I had onto the field and, and hope that the guys would listen or come to me, things like that. So you always have differences in captains and how they um, kind of go about things, but that was kind of always something that I strive to do. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I, I remember <laughs> we've had some, you know, your senior year was when I was a freshman. We went into overtime both times and uh, you guys obviously came out on top. And I mean, the stats re- read a different story than the score. But, um, you know, I remember playing against you and <laughs> and all the, you know, the whole locker room was like, we got to shut this guy down. And I remember my buddy just telling me, you know, he'd be draped all over you and you're just pinging balls left and right. He's like, dude, I don't know how to stop him. I'm like, yeah, that's nuts. But um, yeah, man. So once you graduated, you go pro, you go play in Finland for a little bit, and then you end up coming back to the States to coach. So what was that transition time to going to play professionally, signing a contract, and then the decision to come back to begin coaching? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a whirlwind really. So from, um, Actually, I'll go one summer before graduating. I actually played um, NPSL with FC Sonic, which was in Allentown. Um, right. and that was That's kind of, I'd say, when I really fell in love with coaching. And that coach, his name's Dave Weitzman. Um, I still talk with him almost every week or every month when I can. Um, he was a coach that he just the way he coached, his passion for the game is kind of what got me involved in, and wanted to learn more about coaching, of course. Um, and I mean, just the, the way he broke things down, the, the um, like I said, the passion he had for it. Um, and that, that year was 2012, the summer before graduating, um, or two summers before. Um, we won the MPSL National Finals in California, which was an amazing experience. Um, and then 2013 was graduation. Um, I played with Sonic again, and we made it to the national semifinals. I wasn't able to join them because that's when we were in Israel um, playing in the mm. game that you had mentioned. So from uh, basically played from graduation in May at Marywood, um, played all summer at FC Sonic in Allentown, then played in Israel. And then when I got back from Israel, I had about a week or two, and I went to England um, as part of a program. It was called the RIESA program, um, Richmond International Athletics and Academics or something like that. Um, and it was um, Academic Soccer Academy. That's what it is. And they, um, some guy just reached out to me and kind of, kind of introduced me to everything. And it was a really cool program and how it was set up. So we'd go over, study at a university over there um, for a master's in a year, which obviously a lot of masters over here take two years. So obviously that was very kind of enticing and then got to play. So we'd play non-league. Um, I forget what level it was with, but Equisil United um, ended up win in one cup um, that we had no business being in the finals. We beat a couple teams that were four and five divisions above us. Um, we played in another cup final and lost that. And we finished fourth in the league. Um, and then, so that ran. So we got back from Israel in first week or second week of August of that year. And then that ran from the end of August all the way until about um, – May, I think, or March, I want to say, of 2014. So I finished up coursework. I trained about two months with Bradford City, which was in League One then. Um, And then um, that's when they had a connection to the team in Finland. So from there, I I got, I signed a preliminary contract and went over to Finland. Um, And so it's kind of just 
basically straight from graduation, um, just going straight on to, to Finland. Um, and it was really cool to, to do that. I mean, the childhood dream was always to play professionally overseas. And I mean, signing that contract, getting over there, um, like it, it was a realization. Um, things didn't end how I wanted it to. Obviously, you always want to go make an impact play um, as much as possible. But I just had so many injuries throughout the years. Um, there's a lot of politics, as there always is involved. But um, I don't take any um, disheart away from it. I mean, we had a great coach. He played at West Ham and a bunch of other Prem teams growing up. He um, played with guys that played at some major, major teams. Um, was a Danish guy played at Bromby, and he played at um, in uh, one of the Prem team academies. There was a guy that was at QPR with Raheem Sterling, a guy that was in the Nike Academy. I mean, just some amazing talents and guys that are right. still playing all over the world, which is crazy. Um, but then it was just kind of – I had um, my girlfriend at the time, my now fiancé, um, who I actually met at Marywood, so another good thing that came out of Marywood. Um, <laughs> she uh, she was kind of saving up to come out. I hadn't seen her in eight months just from going from England to Finland. She came out for two weeks, and at the, that two weeks uh, – the coach was like, look, I can try to get you to another team in Sweden if you want. I was like, no, I'm, I'm beat up. Um, there's no there's no real point to stay. Um, so I kind of had them get me on the same flights back as her. And I came back uh, was the middle of August of 2014 um, or September or something like that. Um, and then that right, whole so- time I was working on my dissertation for my master's. I got that in October of 2014. And then just kind of bounced around different places from there. I didn't come back like immediately to coach. Um, I helped out with um, all right, some startup companies just to get some work. Um, I lived in New York for a few months with my brother because I missed him. Um, and then I started to really look into the licenses. And that's when I kind of went back to Muhlenberg and, and helped them for a season, um, which was pretty cool. And then I helped Arcadia during a spring. Um, because their head coach was in one of my licenses um, for U.S. soccer. Um, so again, so you're, just a, you're a nomad, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I want to rewind a couple of steps. When you were playing in England and you were talking about the the team you were playing on who had no business, you know, beating or winning some of those finals, what do you think it was about those teams that made you guys so successful? Um, it was it was kind of funny. Um, so I mean, the te- the the academy was just about all um, American players. Um, the teams themselves, the academy, I, I guess, kind of owned at the time or, or had a large stake in the teams. Um, so they had the academy players play in those. And now there was, I don't know how many different teams because there was over 100 players in the academy. So they had to have different kind of quality levels and things like that. The team that I was on was the top. There was another one that was kind of equal to ours um, named Garfith Town. Um, and so the guys we had, I mean, they were from all over the U S I know like the one guy, um, was actually my roommate at the USL combine in Florida. He actually was over there and he played for Garfith town, um, the other team, but it was just kind of funny how that worked out. But he played at, um, LMU in California. There is guys that played D3. There's guys that played D1. Um, the guy that I got really close with Dan Holowaty, he was, um, he played in the USL, he played in, in Pittsburgh, um, and just an awesome dude. Um, we got really close, and 
they just um, the, the team dynamic, like we had probably four or five English guys, um, but they were just really good dudes. Like they had, they enjoyed having us on the team. They worked hard. They pushed us. Uh, I mean, all the teams hated us in the league because we would win and they hate losing <laughs> Americans. So um, they would always try to try to take us out, try to chop our ankles or, or our knees or something like that. But we would just stand up and fight. Um, but I mean, we would go through like different spells um, where sometimes things weren't going great in the academy and, and our training or something like that suffered because of it, um, where there were tiffs with players and coaches and players and staff. Um, obviously, being over there, a lot of guys wanted to travel, so that took away from training. Um, so, I mean, there was a whole bunch of different things, but we kind of went through ebbs and flows of, um, I think the highest we got was maybe third or something in the league, and then we would drop down because there was arguments among people. Um, and then, so we dropped to like 11th, and then we were like, nah, screw this, we're going to do this for us, and then we shot up to fourth. So, like, it really came down to just us and, and what we wanted to do. Um, and, I mean, the coach we had was amazing. He played, I don't know, couple hundred um league games across different teams in england um at lee duxbury was his name um mm-hmm. but it was just awesome to be a part of a team like that just guys from all over especially in england um being able to come together and, and kind of learn from each other in different ages and backgrounds and stuff was awesome yeah so what were some of those arguments like like were they petty arguments or were they you know bigger than or were they off the field issues like what were those arguments that kind of were detrimental to your guys's successes um they were bigger stuff i mean guys not not showing up um to stuff or people just not being around or like like we would train on uh, a university field that was all turf and then we'd go and play these games in mud so like guys were getting injured or shin splints um so like things like that um they had like a wing of this dorm, like a top floor dorm set out for all of our math, like the master's program, which is like 20 something guys. And we're all older um, and university for um, English um, people kind of starts a little younger sometimes. Um, So, I mean, where some guys didn't really want to be in a dorm, we were kind of forced into that. So like, I know there was probably seven or eight of us that moved out and found houses um, so I mean, it was just little stuff like that, little things over time, um, maybe not having the right equipment at a training and not having equipment or, um, just like a whole bunch of different little stuff like the, the, and I'm sure they've learned things over the years. Like it was a great setup for the Academy. Um, I just think sometimes, um, they needed a little bit extra or they needed to take a bit more time on stuff, but I mean, the experiences were amazing. For sure. For sure. So when you finally got back into the college coaching realm what was kind of what was the culture like at Muhlenberg and how did you want to bring your experiences that you had just learned playing overseas into that program because I think when you got there if I'm remembering correctly it was my senior year so I was now you're now coaching against me but um, the year before I think they were in the elite eight so um, you know when you joined the program what was was the culture like, what was the first step in trying to make it as successful as it was in the previous year? Yeah, it was kind of, um, it was kind of interesting. So two guys on the staff were also coaches at, um, that FC Sonic. Um, so obviously like playing soccer up there with Sonic so much, 
um, people kind of got to know me a bit more um, and it was easy just to reach out and be like, hey, I'd love to help. Um, so I was kind of a volunteer coach during that season. I also had a good, um, good friend who I played with in high school. His name was Lance Dotsman, who grew up, I mean, streets away from me um, in high school. And we were never close in high school, but we got really close after that. And he's another one that I talked to a ton. Um, but I think it was just being being young enough to kind of connect to the guys, but also being old enough to learn from the coaches and kind of um, put out their message as well. So it's kind of a great first step in coaching and college coaching um, on the men's side where I could help. And it wasn't so much like helping with tactics or things like that. Obviously they would, they would let me talk. They would let me say things at halftime, um, which was really great, really empowering as a young coach getting into it. Um, but then in trainings, like, I would help guys on technique or how to hit a ball a certain way or um, helping with fitness or things like that. So I really took kind of a technical kind of coach aspect. Um, And then just from personal gain and personal learning, um, just kind of watching the coaches around me, how they worked with players, how they um, kind of worked in a setup, how they worked through issues or um, stuff like that. So that was pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah. And so what, you know, what kind of coaching philosophy did, was it, I think it's Sean, right? Sean's the head yeah, coach there. Sean Topping. Yeah. yeah the, the Sean kind of employ with it, with his kids and what did you like from it? And maybe what's one thing that you might necessarily do different whenever you, whenever you're the head coach of your club teams or, you know, hopefully one of your own teams one day. Yeah. I mean, he was very, um, he demanded a a high level Um, and that goes to a lot of different things it's a high level of play it's a high level of technical ability it's a high level of um, kind of respect teamsmanship focus I mean just all all around you think of that and you can kind of branch off any direction you want Um, but I mean he he knew how to foster that culture but also enjoy it I mean we'd have fun sessions um, where you kind of jump in and and the coaches play against the players or the coaches do something um, with them to kind of have fun. So it's finding that balance of really just pushing these guys hard um, and making sure they understand things, but then also um, enjoying it at the same time. And because and, again, they're, you think about it going into school, you, I mean, you're just a kid, so you, you don't have a ton of experience or some guys do have a ton of experiences. Um, and it's just trying to meld them together to, to get to, what you want as a team, but it's just creating a culture. Um, and that all starts from that head coach. For sure. So when you, when you decided to leave Muhlenberg and head over to Arcadia, what were some of the differences and similarities of of the, uh, of the two programs? Um, yeah, I mean, Arcadia was, was just interesting. Cause like I said, I met Rob Nydick at, um, my, one of my, coaching licenses and he was just like hey if you want to come out help us train you in the spring more than happy um and at that time i got a pharmaceutical marketing job in philly um something i never thought i would do but um just kind of kind of needed something um i had torn uh acl meniscus um i didn't know that then but i um that that happened a couple months prior but um, helping him out, it was just, um, he kind of had the same philosophy. I mean, he was hard nosed. He wanted guys to understand things. Um, 
I mean, if guys weren't paying attention, if, if guys were late, if guys were – and this was only during the spring, so I didn't see too much in the fall, of, of course. But um, he was very much about all of that kind of stuff. And it was just if you weren't paying attention, you weren't on time, you weren't doing the right things, then you were going to run because of it. Um, and, I mean, it, it's it's funny because especially growing up, I mean, I hated running until I got to a certain point and realized, okay, this is actually going to help me. So whereas running is used as a punishment, I feel like younger players need to understand it's a punishment because of um, something that you or your teammates or something aren't, aren't doing correctly or, or understanding. But at the end of the day, you just got more fitness that's going to keep you on the field longer or outlast another team or things like that. So you get this bad connotation of fitness is a bad thing or I did something wrong. Um, that may be true in just like the overall view of it. But at the end of the day, fitness is um, going to keep you on the field. It's going to keep you less injured. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different things, right. but that's definitely one thing that I, I took out of that as well. Um, but I mean, I grew up in a military family. So like both of those kind of coaching styles um, really resonated with me just being on time, respecting each other, um, listening is the biggest thing, um, and just not trying to distract people. Again, there's always going to be times where there's fun stuff and things like that, but there's also a different time between fun and then kind of learning and preparing. No, for sure. I mean, my my biggest pet peeve too is just like when when people are late or whatever it may be, it's you know, a lot of people, it's, it's just, it's so selfish, right? Like, it's just not, it's just a last, lack of respect of your teammates, of your coaches when you can't show up on time or you can't do something that's so simple, right? It's just such a lack of respect to me. And that's why, you know, I think I hate it so much because, you know, like, like you mentioned, it's just, it's, to, it's just why, you know, it, it's just so easy to do. And when you're not doing it, it's just so blatantly disrespectful that I just can't stand it. So um, that's my big pet peeve. Um, of whatever but so in your time after Arcadia what did you do up until getting the coaching job at Murray State um I mean a whole myriad of things um so I kind of bounced around like I said I got that um I was a um I did paid search at a pharmaceutical marketing company in Philly so I mean it sounds really boring and it really was but um (laughs) it was kind of like working for a drug companies where if you had like plaque psoriasis, we would kind of make the ads that showed up if you search something on Google and Bing. So obviously that sounds pretty cool, but I was basically looking at Excel sheets for eight, nine hours a day, um, which wasn't the greatest, but it was really cool to look back um, and kind of learn a lot from it, learn a kind of a corporate structure, learn how big businesses work um, and things like that. So, I mean, the experiences were invaluable and I really appreciate it being able to have those. Um, and like I said, I had ACL meniscus surgery um, in 2016 and that was while I was there. Um, and then I was also coaching at a local club that I grew up playing in. Um, I was coaching, a, I took a U16, 17 boys team. Um, and they were, they were a lot of fun to coach, but also frustrating to coach um, as well. But that was a great experience. And then from there, um, a guy that I actually played with at Sonic um, kind of started his own his own company um, called Perfect Touch Soccer um, kind of in Allentown. And he did like uh, one-on-one small group trainings as well as teams. So like where it wasn't a club and I didn't have a team, um, we'd coach kind of anybody, everybody. 
um, all the way from like four and five year olds up to I was working with a guy that was on on trial in England with some teams or girls that were going to play in college or whatever the age may be. Um, and I mean, before that, like right before that, I, uh, I had the surgery and I kind of told my club team that I was stepping away from them to focus on rehab because I was asked to go back to Israel with Maccabi USA with the same coach. Um, and I told him about the surgery. I told him about my timeline. Um, but I really lucked out because where our apartment was in Philly, um, I was a block and a half away from PT place. And the guy I was working with, his name's Justin Shaganaw, um, awesome guy. He works, he's worked and still works with both men's and women's national teams. Um, I mean, just experience all over the place. And, and he was somebody that I told him a timeline and he said, I'll push you and it might not be easy, but um, I'll get you there. And I mean, he was the driving factor of me being able to go back to Israel. Um, and so I kind of left, um, left that pharmaceutical marketing company on a Friday, which was actually our company picnic on Saturday. My um, fiance and our families put all of our stuff in storage. And then Sunday I left for Israel. So it was kind of a, a crazy time, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Um, was able to go back to Israel, win gold again. Um, and kind of defend the title, came back and started working for that company. Um, and I learned a ton from that company, um, kind of had a falling out towards the end. And then just, um, I was during that time. And, and even before I was looking at college jobs and applying college jobs all over Pennsylvania, cause we didn't know where we were going to be. Um, and then just kind of all over the country because we've always talked about moving around. Um, but we never really had any concrete ideas. We never really knew anything or, or had anything to go off of. So I was just kind of applying, um, and sometimes not, not really hearing back from a lot of different places. And it was kind of a year and a half or so of applying places. And I just basically said, all right, this isn't coming to. So I stopped looking at college jobs and started looking at MLS academies. Um, and then the head coach uh, at Murray State, his name is Matt Lodge. He was the assistant there for four years, um, played at University of Kentucky, was a captain there. I mean, just an all-around baller of a guy. Um, but, I mean, we became super close in my time there. But he basically called me, flew me out, um, and was like, I think in two days uh, when I was there, just kind of showed me around. I watched the training, saw the town. Um, and then I think just a few days after he called and offered it to me. And then that's when we um, kind of made the decision to leave Philly and, and head out that way to Murray. Um, and it was I definitely don't regret it at all. I mean, it was unbelievable experiences. And um, I mean, they say everything happens for a reason, but I think I see it more and more every day and with every position. Um, and it was amazing. So, what were your main responsibilities during your time at Murray? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was cool because, so they had a GA there who played there previously um, and she was in her second year. So she obviously knew kind of the lay of the land. She also knew the coach previously um, and then Lodge as an assistant. So Lodge as an assistant, four years, like I said, um, he was now the head coach that wanted to keep it, keep it kind of in house. Um, and then when he brought me on, so he's actually only like a year and a half older than I am. Um, and then she was, I don't know, 25, I think 24, um, second year of grad school. So whatever that age would be 23. 
Um, so, I mean, we were the youngest staff, I'd say, combined in the country. Our, train, our athletic trainer, Greg Jocelyn, was my age. Um, he's only like three months older than I am. So I, I'd say I, I would put money on that. We were probably the youngest combined staff, um, especially at the D1 level um, in the country. Um, so, I mean, first getting there, I actually got there in the summer because he wanted me to work some camps. That way I kind of learned him. I met some of the players because they helped with camps. Um, but then preseason, um, I mean, like anything, I always took kind of a, not a backseat, I would say, but I was more observing and, um, I didn't want to jump in right away. I didn't want to step on his toes because again, he was first year, um, head coach. Like he was only named the head coach in February. He had a whole spring by himself without an assistant, just the GA. Um, so, I mean, this was his first full fall. Um, so I just, I really understood that and I just tried to, understand him who he was how he was kind of thing um but i mean in the beginning i would and i'm not really a quiet person um but i mean right. even players then would say like the first couple of weeks i'd go up to lodge and, and tell him something like oh like i noticed they're not doing this or i noticed one player's doing this he's like you can like you can speak up you can go ahead and tell him <laughs> um so i mean like he was one that let me like he gave me reins within a few weeks he let me um, really open up and kind of come to, into that coaching role, which is amazing. Not many coaches do that. Not many um, head coaches allow that. I mean, some people like it a certain way. They don't want assistants helping or, or talking. They want them to lay cones maybe. I mean, there's so many different kind of energies and and um, people and, and how they want things run. But, I mean, we're so similar, I think, but we're also got so many different experiences. It's it's It was a great fit. Um and I mean, by I don't even know by preseason, I'd say, um, or by end of preseason, we were kind of back and forth. Like you couldn't really separate us. Um, it, we both just have a love for the game um, that we could talk to each other and we respected each other's views. Um, but at the same time, we could tell each other no. We could tell each other that was a dumb idea and not get offended right. by it. Um, I mean, right. he grew up. He grew up in England. And then came over here, played high level D one, um, and then so that's kind of how he saw my resume was obviously playing in England, and then um, kind of bouncing around different teams and levels and things like that. And I think we just had the right fit background wise, um, and then once we met, personality wise, outlook, um, it just all kind of clicked. Um, and, and I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that type of relationship with the head coach and assistant is so important to be able to, you know, give, give shit back and forth and not take offense. I mean, I, I can tell you firsthand that um, when I was an assistant, the amount of things that I said where coaches were just like, no, that's a bad idea. And I said, okay, good. And, you know, I think that's important for, for a head coach, like, you know, because if you're one, they're, you're, they're making you comfortable enough to share ideas, but two, they're telling you it's a bad idea. So now you can learn from them saying no and, you know, and try to reframe it to make it a good idea. So I think that's, that's very important that type of relationship to have. So, in so do you guys won the OVC in your first year as a staff, huh? Yeah. So 2018, um, we took over. I mean, it was crazy because um, so we had they had a player who was two or three time player of the year um, for the OVC, um, and she was like their main goal scorer, their main threat. So everyone was saying, obviously, like. Their head coach left, um, this star player left, like they're going to struggle. Um, and I mean, we did just the opposite. I think we scored more goals that season um, than ever before. 
Um, we had players like really step up and, and kind of take to our coaching, take to the system. I mean, that year we actually um, we changed formations, um, and that again, that was something. Some some people and some coaches stick to one thing, and they they make their players learn it. Um, and we were very big on knowing the players that we had and the formations that we could play with them. Um, so, I mean, we worked on different ones. We would always split up. I'd take defenders. He'd take forwards. We'd switch um, whenever. But we switched formations right before conference play, um, and that was kind of like the light. Um, and that, that really took us all the way, I think. Um, and, and the girls really learned from it, um, and it was amazing. So we kind of went on a run and um, got some results and, and ended up it was crazy because we the other team in our conference, UT Martin, had just a breakout year. Um, I mean, nobody was stopping them. They were a freight train. They had they were top ten in almost every Division One um, scoring or offensive category. Um, which, wow. again, University of Tennessee at Martin um, in Tennessee is just like not many people know it. Um, and obviously, coming from right. the but like they were just a, a blaze, and they had just a cohort of seniors, like eight or nine seniors that, that really, um, and a lot of them were internationals. They were just really clicking and everything was going. Um, and their, their staff did a great job that year. Um, and I mean, we just got just the chips fell in our, our way that, that game in the finals, they beat us actually at their place three, one, um, just a couple weeks prior to, um, to going, getting back there, um, for the championship. And then, everything just kind of went our way. I mean, even, even things that didn't, um, everything still worked out. We had two people tear their ACLs, um, 24 hours apart. One was actually a senior in that game against Martin, um, the first regular season one. And then it was a freshman, um, did it it, the the following day at training. Um, and I mean, we just felt so injury riddled and, and just so down and things like that, but people just, picked up the slack and people just like all the players just the hats off to them like we're we're coaches and we can obviously put a vision out there but if the players don't buy in the players don't want to do it and have a good attitude it's just not going to work and um they all just stepped up it was awesome to see yeah so how did you get the girls to buy in to uh, a young coaching staff you know five six seven years older than probably the oldest probably some than some of the seniors so how did you get them to buy into your staff philosophy your playing style you know especially in the first year yeah um i think the biggest thing was um we had the same visions um it wasn't and i really tried to learn it and i mean because you also have coaches that say things differently or teach things differently um, i mean it can mm-hmm. be so so much as the wording um on how to teach per, a, a person something or a player um so i mean i really tried to learn how Lodge liked to run things, um, where I could pick up things. Um, but then just that the messaging was always uniform. Like whatever he had come up and said to the team, I wasn't going to individual players and being like, oh, actually you should try this or do this. Like everything that we would say and do was always in line to that kind of bigger goal. Um, and I think that was one of the most important things um, for that. Um, I mean, there's sometimes a lot of times where staff, like you said, they might not get along, um, but they start saying different things to each other or even to um, to the players or they're getting in fights. Or I mean, it was just like 100 percent 
fun, but also just like working towards the same goal the whole time. Um, and I mean, we would break it up with fun, but I mean, we would have serious, serious moments. Like I guess like, he right. came from, he came from being there for four years. So he, he knew, or he's seen kind of the landscape of the league. He knew other teams, um, things like that. And I mean, him and the previous head coach, Jeremy Groves, they, they turned kind of Murray into a perennial powerhouse. They, they won some championships prior to them, um, and made some appearances and things like that, but they turned him into a, like every year they were top, um, one or two, um, if they weren't winning. Um, and so we wanted to obviously keep that culture of hard work, um, put your nose down and work, but also learn, um, but also kind of put lodges and obviously my kind of spin or flair on it. Um, so, I mean, I, I remember just, just at the end of the season. Um, so we actually lost to Vanderbilt in the first round um, of the NCAA tournament pretty badly at their place. But um, I remember getting back from that game and that night, I mean, it was late that night. Um, we kind of sat the girls down in the locker room and we were just at our lounge area and just kind of sat them and said like, thank you. Like, thank you to all the players for, um, having the confidence in in the staff and the young staff and having kind of just coming to us with questions and working working your asses off because like I said we can we can have all the tactics in the world but if if the players don't want to buy in and don't want to do it then um, it obviously becomes very difficult and you hear so many different stories about that kind of stuff but um, we, I mean we couldn't we couldn't knock them for sure right so t- talk to me a little bit about your internal leadership of the team. So picking a captain, um, who were the captains and what are you looking for in that type of leader? And are you necessarily looking for only seniors as captains or, you know, how are you choosing who you want to essentially be an extension of the coaching staff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, obviously the lodge kind of knew, uh, I mean, he knew the whole right. player um, roster and stuff before I got there. If, um, I mean, even the freshmen coming in, he knew. So it was kind of – I didn't really know much. But, I mean, you can kind of – especially a, a player, I think um, you can kind of pick out how they are pretty quickly and kind of understand what they're about um, both on and off the field, even just watching a few sessions and, and talking with them. So, um, I mean, the captain's – um, for 2018 were older ones um, were ones that were in kind of that Murray state transition of turning things into, into that powerhouse. So, I mean, they were kind of the been there, done that captains um, and led by example. Um, they kind of were the no nonsense. We're going to get, get this train rolling. Um, and they, they had a lot of things um that they wanted to hold people accountable for. Um, but then at the same time, um, we don't necessarily, and especially me, like you don't have to be a captain to be a leader. Um, I think, I mean, right. I, obviously people get that prestige of being a captain, but being a captain isn't for everyone being a, having that armband sometimes puts pressure on people. Um, so mm-hmm. I mean, you can still lead without having that armband, you can still be um, a part of something bigger than you without being named a captain and going out for a coin toss, whatever it may be. So um, I think it's just having that in people's minds and young players, especially like captains are great. You should always look to your captain, um, but you should also try to be an example 
not only for your captain, but for all the other players, for younger players, for even players you play against. Um, I mean, I can't tell you, I think I, I still talk to about five or six of your teammates. Um, and I think that just came down to a respect thing. Um, I mean, I respect everyone I played against. There was no malice behind anything. Obviously, I always wanted to win. And I tell my club teams this now, I wanted to win as much as possible. Um, but I mean, there's a, there's a mutual respect of everyone's trying to do that and they're trying to work. I was never going to go into a tackle poorly or, or try to hurt somebody because of it. I was trying to beat you, um, based on my ability, my team's ability, stuff like that. Um, I mean, I think just like you obviously have the, the things on the field where it's just, um, they're kind of the cut above the rest, um, in terms of just work ethic and, Right. Um, asking those questions and I mean you want players that want to make people around them better um, and that's on and off the field you want them to to learn and grow and kind of the matureness um, but it's also having fun I mean the one girl that we had came in um, freshman in 2018 her name's Abby Jones um, I mean she's she's just an epitome of uh, I think a captain a leader um, I mean, I, I choose her on any team I put together for a girls team. Um, just as a freshman, she came in and, and I mean, you can always come in. There's sometimes people that come in as freshmen and they, they may be too big for their britches or, or they're, um, or they're too shy or, I mean, she had the right mixture of pushing seniors, um, and, and kind of getting stuck in and training. Um, she would try to win everything from, um, relay races if it was fun to juggling to shooting I mean anything that you you said um, or we did she was trying to win um, and, and it was just awesome. amazing to see yeah and, but then at the same time off the field she was just she was always asking questions she was always stopping by to, to talk to the coaches to see players um, she ca- always carries a 4.0 I mean she just takes care of her stuff she's always on time or early she was asking for help um, I mean, there was trainings where she would want to go out an hour or two hours before training or stay out after. Um, so, I mean, I always made myself available and sort of lodge for players like that. Um, and I mean, it was infectious when she did it, there was three or four others I wanted to join. Um, so, I mean, she, and, and by spring, she was a captain. I mean, right when pretty much the season was done, we kind of named her captain going into the spring just because she had that. And there's, there's players that are coming in this fall um, for them that I know who they are and I know they're going to be captains by next spring. Um, and that's, that's kind of the culture that, that they started building um, when Groves was there. Um, but it's also kind of how Lodge tailored things and, and really brought himself and, and the way he was, I'm sure as a player, um, he was kind of a, a work workhorse and, um, right. kind of that passion for the game. I mean, you, you can't go and we, I don't think we ever go a day without doing something around the game, whether it's watching something or, or studying or drills or playing. I mean, anything and everything, if, if it's your passion and you love it, you don't really, you don't get sick of it. You don't get tired of it. And that's what was great. For sure. So do you think going back to what you mentioned about, you know, a younger, maybe an underclassman becoming captain, do you think that builds resentment amongst the upper class or do you think they totally understand and you know they respect the coach's decision um i mean you're never going to have a hundred percent of every single player um that's always going to happen there's all there always can be something um with one player with many players it, it may happen 
um, more often than not. Um, players are always going to see things differently than coaches, than families, and parents. Um, I mean, there's always a bunch of different things. Um, I think when it's when it's clear and obvious, it, it, the the captains that you choose, um, it's almost just uh, you. you use it kind of as fuel and it's almost like, okay, like prove us wrong, like prove us why either you should be considered or why they are or why they, they so far ahead of everyone else um, in all of these categories. Um, so I think it's more of, it's more of just getting that example. And then um, again, it's just having the respect of the players to be like, okay, like I get it. Like I just, I'll listen. I need to work hard, whatever it may be. Um, I think it's also getting across, like you said, not not being oh, like she young, she just got here, she's she hasn't been a part of, we've been a part of. Um, I mean, that it can always turn into that, but it's just having the mindset of um, and getting them on the same same kind of page of um, she's here to help us, she's here to improve the team, improve people, um, players, things like that. So it's just kind of taking it that route, not so much. Um, well, she's just better. Um, it's never just that. Um, there's always a ton of factors that go into that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So uh, I just want to ask a couple more questions before we wrap up. Yeah. So you've had the the pleasure of coaching, playing for some pretty amazing coaches. So what I want to ask is, what are some of the similarities from each of the coaches that you played with and coached with that have driven them to be and build such successful programs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I still I try to keep in touch with so many different coaches across all all kinds of different divisions, leagues, clubs, um, all kinds of things. I mean, I think the three real coaches um, that that I've worked with, worked for, even four, I would say, um, the biggest thing is just passion for the game. Uh, I mean, going back to MPSL with um, Whitey, Dave Weitzman. Um, I mean, he would hand draw set pieces for both our team and their team. He would just go in depth about players on other teams. He would, um, I mean, break things down so granular that it just, it made so much sense and it was just so easy to follow as a team. Um, and I mean, he was kind of the, he, he just spearheaded winning the, the championship and get almost getting back there the next year. Um, and I mean, he's still somebody that I can reach out to with a coaching question or any question really and just be like, hey, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, him and uh, the coach that I had in Israel, Preston Goldfarb, the two times, mm-hmm. um, he's just – he started the program, the men's program in, at Birmingham Southern. He was there for 33 years. Um, just – just to have the passion that he's had for so long. Um, I mean, I, I definitely see myself kind of being that person in the future. He's just um, always there to help people. He's just always, um, but he, at the same time, he, he wants to hold people to that high standard. I mean, the first day of tryouts in 2013, he said, um, we're going there to win a gold medal. Anything less is a failure. Um I mean, every talk after that, everything that he went through as a team, um, he kind of held that standard true. He he wasn't going there to to just have a good time. He wasn't going there. Uh, and again, we do those things, of course, but um, he just loved the game so much and he wanted everything out of it, but he wanted all that stuff for his players. Um, and that's why he does all that work. Um, I mean, same thing for Lodge. Um, I mean, we would... 
any hour of the day, night. I mean, we'd be texting each other about random things, something that happened in a game, moving players, um, trying different formations, looking at this drill. Um, I mean, he's just he's just always looking for something, something to either give an edge, something to test his team, test his players, um, learn for himself. Um, I mean, he's just one that is just always hungry for something, um, for something else. Um, and I just say uh, same thing for – I coached with Scott Rowling. He's a good friend of mine growing up. Um, he played high school with my brother, went on to UNH um, and a whole bunch of different different things. Um, but he asked me to coach over 35s in Mexico for Maccabi USA last summer. Um, and we didn't get all the results that we wanted to. But coaching-wise, I mean, he just has that love for the game. I mean, he's another one that with my brother and some other people – um, we can text each other about anything from players um, to coaches to formations to systems, um, anything and everything. So, I mean, it's just that that love of the game and that hunger to always try to do better. Um, and that doesn't stop when you stop playing. I mean, as a coach now for two different younger club teams um, or younger girl teams, I'm always looking for ways to help them develop, um, think about ways that I didn't have as a younger player or think about things I didn't learn until I was older, wish I had learned younger. Um, so, I mean, that's really the biggest thing that I've known across, across all those coaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. So uh, last question that I do want to finish with is let's just go with whenever you leave a club, let's say after you left Murray state, what is maybe one or two things that you want your players to have said about you during your time as a coach? Um, I, I know the first thing will be, uh, well, there's, there's two things for sure. Um, I'm definitely, um, I hope I'll make a lot of jokes and I like to have a lot of fun. Um, but at the same time, I know they, um, they'll say I like to kick the balls around a lot, um, because I, I'm just always, I'm like a kid with candy. Like when I see a ball, like I'm going to go and kick it. I'm going to try to hit the crossbar from 60 yards away. I'm going to try to um, knock a water bottle over. I mean, that's just how I am. I just have fun with it. Sounds like me. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to enjoy it. Like That's what these players have to remember too, is like at any level, there's always so many things that can stress you out. Um, but being in those white lines and being on the field, like that should be where you escape all the stress. That's where you get away from everything. That's where, um, you should go and just enjoy yourself, whether it's um, a hard session, a light session, an optional session. Um, I mean, we'd have players that said they would get um, kind of nervous or, or panicky at sessions or um, and we were never the yelling coaches or anything like that. Um, but and then people would get um, so mad at a shooting session that they'd have to walk off. And it's like I, I get that because you want to hold yourself to that high standard. But I think. Um, my development maybe a lot of people's is just that time of going out with you and a few friends and a bag of balls and just doing crazy things learning how to hit a ball a certain way um or things like mm -hmm. that um i mean i think for just being there in such a short amount of time um and i mean two years it's hard to say short amount of time but i hope people just kind of remember me for um just having fun, but trying to make everyone better. Um, I mean, I always try to make myself a resource um, to anybody. And that wasn't just players. That was um, 
kids at a, at kids camp that was um, parents asking questions or going that extra mile, um, other coaches of other teams, compliance officers, um, ADs, athletic trainers. I mean, I tried to tried to make myself really kind of personable and out there um, and, and impose myself, whether it was asking how a match was, asking how um, a team is doing, how their recruiting is. Um, I really tried to just kind of make myself uh, known and make myself a resource for anybody and everybody. Um, and I mean, I still, I talk with Lodge um, almost every week about something. Um, I mean, I definitely think, and it was never an easy decision to to kind of leave there, but I definitely think I left on good terms with everybody. Um, obviously, there's going to be things um, that can happen, that did happen, um, uh, that can be um, kind of taken. But there was never any negativity. There was never any um, like falling out with anybody. Uh, I mean, I had everyone wish me luck. I still reach out to people, um, like I said, from – their AD to um, their head compliance person to Lodge to Greg, um, the athletic trainer. I mean, anybody and everybody, I just feel like um, I just wanted to, to see them do well and continue to see them do well. And um, I was lucky enough to kind of go back there for Lodge's birthday um, in March. And I went and saw the players. And I mean, all the players were happy to see me again. It was never, like I said, it's never a, That's awesome. a negative thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's just um, kind of being outgoing, personable, but I want to be that resource to players um, that they might not have or give a player an idea that they've never seen before, never tried before, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's a move or a run or um, a fitness thing or how to hit a ball. or I mean, it can go so many different directions, but um, just really trying to be that person that kind of give somebody a light bulb and it's like, Oh, okay. I never thought of it like that. Um, that's kind of what kind of really inspires me to be a coach. For sure. For sure. I love that. I love that. Well, Ryan, appreciate you taking the time. I uh, hope you enjoy your time out in Seattle again. Thank you so much for coming on and I look forward to talking with you soon. Yeah, man, absolutely. I appreciate it. And, um, if there's any other, uh, any other stuff I can do, or if you're ever out in Seattle, just let me know. You got it, my man. Thank you. All right. Sounds good.